Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey guys, I just wanted to give a shout out to all of my amazing Patreon members. Thank you so much for your support for Sense of Soul podcast. And also check out the network of lightworkers on senseofsoulpodcast.com where you can work with one of my favorite guests. They are offering Sense of Soul listeners amazing programs, so check it out. And today on Sense of Soul, I have Asher and Lavinia. They are co-founders of Life-Changing Wisdom. Wisdom coaches that can help you move even closer to your vision, helping you to harness unique abilities and perspectives. Their wisdom coaching focuses on self-discovery rather than a fix-you approach, guiding you through significant life transitions. They are also the host of the podcast called Pandora's Awareness Podcast. And they're joining us today to tell us about their new book they co-authored, the first book in the Demi Divine series called Turn Your Traumas Into Treasures, providing you with tools to help you build a healthy self-narrative. So please welcome Asher and Lavinia. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Excited for today's podcast. How are you? I'm good. Hello. Jana, so, so, so sense of soul lady. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello. And you know what? I'm in Colorado. You are? No way. Where? I'm in Aurora. So wait, y'all are in Colorado Springs. Am I right? I am in Tampa, Florida. Oh, okay. I'm melting here. (laughs) I'm smelting. It's so hot and humid already. What about you, Asher? I'm in Colorado Spring, but actually I'm moving right now. I'm moving to Connecticut. That is a state I started at first when I when I immigrated to the United States, joined the military, left. Now my parents live there. My brothers, my sisters, one of my brothers live there. So I'm going back to spend some time with my family because I haven't seen much of them. Very cool. I'm originally from New Orleans. I'm Louisiana. Yeah. I've only been there like maybe twice, I think. What's that, what that strip called where everybody go party at? What's that strip? Bourbon Street. <laughs> Bourbon Street. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Talking about originally, I'm Romanian. That's why I have an accent. I moved to the United States five months ago. And most of the time, God blesses me with a nice flow of thoughts and words in English. But sometimes I might have a brain freeze. So I apologize in advance. Uh, (laughs) That's where I come in. One of my best friends are from Romania. No. Oh. mm. (laughs) Love her. And she's there. She's there with you. Yes. You know what? She came here when she was 18 years old and she's like a year older than me and I'm 47. So yeah, she's definitely one of my dearest friends that I have. And, you know, her being from Armenia has taught me a lot about, you know, the differences between cultural uh, Europeans and cultures. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I'd say one of the most things that stuck out to me is how she will drop anything to help you. I mean, mm. this girl, I remember I came back from Louisiana one time and I had lice. Oh my God. Bugs <laughs> falling around in my hair. My mother wouldn't even let me in her front door. No, she was like, yes, I swear. Things. But <laughs> Louisa sat there all night long, overnight, pulling those nits out of my hair. She did not leave my side. She was there for me. That's just the kind of friend she is. And so... Yeah, and I, I Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, good people. So welcome. And where are you from, Asher? I'd love to know. Originally, I grew up in Jamaica. That's okay. when I was eighteen, almost nineteen. So yeah, Jamaica it is. And you're doing very well for forty-seven, by the way. I was looking, I was like, wow, lady. Yes, I wanted to say that. I wouldn't yeah. give you more than thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it the mountain? The mountain? Uh, the mountain? The mountain wind? The mountain air? <laughs> you know, I will have to say it's probably my French Creole roots. What? Um, yes, it's got to be. My, 
my mom looks very young too. All of the women in my family, all the men in my family who are from Louisiana, who are French, we're French Creole and mm-hmm. Cajun. So we've got those roots. And I, and I have to say, it must be that. I don't, I don't really know. Hey, listen, listen, if you, if you connect to the root, that means you're getting a lot of nutrients. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yes. I listened to your podcast this morning. I love it. I actually listened to the last, I think it might've been the last one that you had. It was a gentleman who had been imprisoned for 23 years. Oh, Marlon. Years. Yeah, my, my buddy Marlon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's powerful that he turned his life around. And I love what you guys are sharing, the pain to purpose stories. So ladies first, why don't you tell us who you are and how about just maybe a little bit about your background and how you came into this work? Yeah, I'm all about empowering people to live their dream. You cannot enjoy your present reality and create a better future and accomplish your dreams if you don't heal your past. And I don't know one person in this world who did not have a trauma. We all had either that was, you know, you were abused physically, verbally, emotionally, you weren't accepted, you weren't validated. Whatever that trauma was for you, it's big for you. And Asher and I, we are uh, sharing the story of our traumas, but you won't find that in a book that we just put together to empower people to heal their traumas and transform them into treasures. We don't talk about ourselves. It's all about, about empowering you to go through the healing journey that we went through. And we do share our stories just to make people aware of, you know, hey, that's my trauma. And it might not seem big deal for you. I lost my daddy when I was 14. And I'm sure at one point, Asher was saying like, oh, maybe that's not such a big deal because everybody's losing their parents at one point. It was traumatizing for me. It scarred me for 20 years. I could not have a a normal life. I could not have a normal relationships with people around me and even with me because I felt abandoned. He, he died because of a terrible health issue. And my mom was my hero because she's a medical assistant. And while he was um, in his last years of life and he was very sick in and out of the hospital, in and out of two comas, she practically moved to the hospital. She, she was having, having her eight hours work. Uh, and then she was just going to a different floor to stay with him and, you know, take care of him. And I have goosebumps when I remember right now because that was hard for me. I had to uh, see my uh, my father when I was 12 getting out of the coma. He didn't know how to speak. So I rushed to to the hospital to see him because I received the call that he's out of the coma. And when I entered his room, he could not say my name. He couldn't speak. So my mom was trying to make him learn to, to talk again, you know, and he's like, who's here? And said, and she pushed him, like, who's here? And I said, Lari. And I will never forget. My brain registered the way he said my name. It was such a struggle for him. And, you know, that's traumatizing for a 12-year-old kid. I know I went to all churches. After that, he fell into another coma and he died. But before that, I, you know, I was promising everything to God to just do a miracle and save my dad, my first love, you know, the son of my life. I mean, I was looking up to him. And the most important, I was left with so much love in my heart for a father that wasn't there anymore. And I didn't know what to do with that love. I didn't know what to do with that hurt. I fell into the victim mindset of I'm so hurt. Uh, I don't have a father. I'll never have a father. He won't walk me down the aisle. He won't be there with me when I will graduate. He won't be there to be proud of me. So it was hard to deal with it. But again, 20 years later, I managed to completely heal and release that love that I was still holding on to. But it was a long journey and we want to share it with people because, hey, you might have easier path, a shorter path. If you have the right people around you, if you have the right tools around you, if you have a book like Turn Your Traumas Into Treasures, where we give some tips and ideas on how to rewrite your story, because we don't want to minimize your trauma. That's there. It was a big thing for you as it was for me. So if somebody around me will say, oh, that's not a big deal. I know for you, but for me, it was. But you have to rewrite that story and see it with different eyes from a different perspective. Like Wayne Dyer was saying, one of my favorite self-help authors out there and motivational speakers, he was saying, 
when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Therefore, I was blessed to be able to rewrite my story and free myself from that pain and and need of having him around me. But I did it myself. It was a long journey because I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the people to guide me. I did not afford to go to a therapist. And hey, I'm from Romania. You can hear the accent. Therapists and psychologists are not in our culture. You go to them if you have a big issue, mental issue, you know, like even even if they are right now and we, we started to embrace them back in the days, it wasn't. There weren't too many available to go to to begin with. I too. Sorry for talking too long. Oh, oh no. Believe me, girl. I told you I got a good friend who's from Romania. I know. <laughs> but you know what? I also know that you guys are very strong women too. That is definitely one thing I do know as well. And I too had to change my perception on losing my father as well. Oh. And I... I say now that he gave me birth twice, once in life and once in his death. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, that that was definitely a big part of my journey as well. What about you, Asher? You know, what's your story and how did you find your treasures? Mm. Shana, uh, well, for you folks that are listening to this podcast, definitely. I am so happy to be here with you and get to share the journey a little bit and get to connect with you. So for, for the listeners, if just imagine... If you're a modern-day mother today, just imagine that you're 34 years old and you already have nine kids. And if you're a modern-day father, just imagine being a father of nine kids without a formal education. Now, when I think about my story, I got I to gotta take you back a little bit in history. So you just take this imaginary journey with me. So I asked myself this question, like, who is the most successful people I know? And the answer comes back, to my parents. And here's the reason for this. Like growing up, right? My dad lost both his parents by the age of 10. So he didn't have an opportunity to go to school. My mom at 34 years old already had nine kids. Now in society, they might look at this like, wow, this lady had that many kids. But then when you, when you fast forward 30 years later, right? All those kids are grown up and able to take care of her, right? Then that's a, that's a, that's a treasure right there. But I realized this, this thing I learned from my dad, which without a formal education, that man was able to accomplish a lot because he applied his current capability at the time. So growing up, I realized that um, at the age of 35, the only book I read from cover to cover was the Bible. So it felt like it took me 35 years to read one book. Now at the age of 36, I said, Asher, you got to change your story because growing up, I suffered from what I called ADD and dyslexia. So I had those symptoms in my life. And my dad used to always tell me, Asher, Sit your ass down and go read a book. And I never listened because I didn't have the desire to really go read because ADD and dyslexia kind of, you know, take away that desire because looking at symbols and words in book didn't really stimulate me really much. It makes, you know, it was like a tranquilizer, put me to sleep. So I didn't enjoy it. So I said the challenge at 36, it says, hey, I'm going to change my story. I'm going to change this journey I'm on. I'm going to read and list a hundred books a year and a thousand books in 10 years. I'm on my seventh year, almost 700 books already. Now, I've also, I love a challenge. If, if you're a person that loves a challenge, like looking for a way to make sense of your life or just really like to really contribute to and add, add value to other people's life, then definitely join me on this journey. So I also set another challenge. I'm going to write 86 books by my 86th birthday, so to speak. So now, right now, me and Lavinia are taking on that challenge, which I will publish our first book. It's coming out. It's out already. It's called Turning Traumas into Treasure. Um, and then we got more 84, 85 more books to kind of work on this task. So I got 43 more years to write 85 more books, which the journey we're on right now. But that's a, that's a short version of the story. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm looking for people that if you're looking for clarity in your life or looking to find that purpose or that sense of patience, then that's the journey I'm on because I went through a lot of ways to really find patience because I, I learned the hard way most things because of the ADD and dyslexia. So I learned that it's, it's easy for some people to learn certain things, but it was not for me. But no, that makes me one of the greatest teachers out there because I know to teach because of the, the way took me long to kind of learn certain things. Over to you, Shana. My gosh. So I too have ADHD as well. And I Mm. have a child on the spectrum and I have a daughter who also had struggled with anxiety and ADHD. And I'll tell you, because of those, 
I, well, I, I hate to even call them disabilities because in many ways they're blessings. Mm-hmm. They're gifts. I mean, she is probably one of the most successful 24 year olds that I know, but she, she had to work her way through. She had to do extra work. She had to stay after school. She had to find other ways to figure out how to learn because she didn't fit in the box. And in doing that, she was really having to trust in her own intuition and follow her own guidance of how she did it rather than the world saying, this is how you do it. So in many ways, that's a blessing, right? Because I mean, my oldest son, oh my God, he's so smart, you know, just came here, you know, read by three years old, but he wasn't the better student in the end because she was a hard worker. She learned to work hard for what she has. Mm-hmm. And that became part of her, right? Her part of her strength. So my ADHD, I'm like the half-assed multitasker. I love it. You know? And just to continue on, on your ADHD topic. Yeah. Me three. Me I have symptoms. I think everyone does. Yes. I did not take any, you know, medical advice to see if I do have it to be confirmed, but I have the symptoms. I kind of, I mean, some of the symptoms, you know, so yeah, it's there, but I want to say that growth comes from not being in a comfort zone. So because of, you know, all these challenges that we had growing up uh, with the conventional way of learning, the conventional school, because of these challenges, we weren't in a comfort zone ever. Therefore, we had to overcome these challenges and become even better. So we do have actually a podcast where we talk about how a beautiful brain the ADHD is and how we think that it has its place in society and it had its place before when we were tribes and how you know we were probably the ones that we were supposed to be alert for threats. Right. So that's why our attention is shifts easily. So I think that there is a purpose behind our brain because we are meant to function in community and different type of brains will do different tasks that are needed for the humanity to evolve and survive. So my gosh, I'm laughing because listeners are going to go from one subject to the next to the next. And God (laughs) knows what's going to happen in this interview. three folks with a lot of knowledge that we want to share because uh, we don't want to be selfish and keep it for ourselves. And you might be the resident of your son. So have you ever get into a chaotic situation? Like you grow in chaos, mm-hmm. right? And you're in this place of chaos and mm-hmm. you get it. Like you just get it. And then somebody puts you in a place that's very organized. And you're like, huh, I don't get it. Right. So here's, here's how my brain works. I realized because I got a creative brain, like I'm like my dyslexia, my ADD is really hard. Meaning that I have so much ideas and creativity. When I, when you put me in an organized structure, like I'm like, there's no place for me. I don't I don't have any work to do because I'm here to create something different. But you put me in chaos. My mind comes alive. I get it. So I noticed that when I was in the military, I did 22 years in the military. So it was very challenging for me because I am good at creating ideas. But military is designed a certain way. You got to follow, follow a certain system. So it was very tough for me. So I had to learn how to follow structure. But I realized that what society do, which I call a system of normalized averages, society, what they do is, right, they lock us into these things. What, what they do, for example, they lock me inside of my culture, Shana. They lock me, lock, lock me inside my culture, my color and trap me there. They lock you inside your gender, trap you there, right? Lock inside your culture, your religion, and so forth, and, lock, and trap you here. So I realized that for me to think creatively, I got to see myself above all those organizations. I'm above the organization of color, the organization of gender, the organization of sex organization of culture, so forth, religion, so forth, and so on. So I realized that my brain works better when I think I'm above all those organizations. So people that are out there that are listening, like you might feel yourself really, really thriving in chaos. You're like, you're wondering why you thrive in chaos or you, you find yourself creating chaos because your brain works better in it. My brain works better because in chaos, I can create things. In organization structure, when it's too organized, I can't create. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I want to create something new. That's what my brain thrives in. If that makes any sense to you. It makes sense, but I also want to say that, hey, that's a traumatizing experience itself to grow in this society and school system as a kid where 
you feel like you're not as smart just because you don't have the same way of learning like the other kids. Or you're actually maybe even smarter or as smart or who knows, because we are not measuring IQs here, but Mm. you just have a different way of learning. That's it. And therefore, going back to the book, we are sharing ways of growing as a person and understanding that you can write your story, rewrite your story to empower yourself and become the victor, take back the power instead of being a victim. So, you know, it's so interesting. I was just thinking about, I am way too chaotic in my mind to ever become like brainwashed even, Mm -hmm. or to be so conditioned That's why I've always struggled with following just this religion, just these rules. I I, I can't stay in a box because that's too like structured. Mm -hmm. A box doesn't work for me because it's too structured. It's square and I'm not. My box is all fucked up looking. You know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I don't think I want to be like the type of person that fits in the box. I never looked at it this way before. Yeah, I think that that's what I'm saying. It's a place for everybody in this society. I think that we are more creative because of the unconventional shape that we are in, right? Our box is colorful. The only problem is, is that I have about 50 different creative projects going on and probably only have like one that's almost finished. (laughs) So so here's something that that, uh, an ADHD brain or some people that are very creative like, like us are, we need to think about the who's, right? The who's of the world because certain things we're good at like I was telling Lavinia, like, like I'm a first and second quarter person. I'm easy to start things. I'm very creative when it comes to starting things. And I love Lavinia because sometimes she plays a role from my, my life where she's like a third and fourth quarter person. She helped me finish it off. So sometimes in your brain there, Shauna, you got to find people that are, that are the third and fourth quarter. People can help you finish things because you can start a lot of things. You need help finishing them because you're so mm-hmm. creative. I realized it about I agree. myself. That's yeah. true. My best friend, Mandy, used to co-host with me. And I'd say she has probably got ADHD too, but she has strengths where I have weaknesses. And so we just really, really, you know, fit like that. And so that was good. This podcast has actually taught me a lot about, I mean, it's the first time I've ever been able to have like an actual schedule. You know, my therapist had always tried to get me because I've always tried, you know, I've tried uh, cognitive therapy, different things. And actually just recently, last night, actually, have you ever heard of lion's mane? It's a mushroom. It's a supplement. Is there another name for it? Lion's mane? Oh, probably. The mushroom. It's a hairy, white-looking mushroom. Mm-hmm. You could buy it like in real form. You could buy it powder, but I bought a capsule. It's supposed to be really good for attention, support, and memory, as well as nervous system and digestive. So here's here is how it's structured. We write a book. It's a combination of fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, so we created two characters in the book, which is going to be okay, something that it. we worked on over the next couple of books we've written. So the one of the main character is Sister Amma. She's like a wise mystic. And then Breda Kofi, um, it's like brother, but in Jamaica we say Breda. So I say Breda mm-hmm. Kofi, and he's like the jokester. And then they just went on this journey, which which kind of you know go to different stories and different life experience and kind of give you some wisdom some in, and the humor is part of it like don't take your life too serious and so forth and so on but we kind of integrate different stories in it so we write it that, that kind of way so we can talk about the person put you in the story if you in the story and the book series name is Demi Divine which going to write most of the books under that series name okay the book is based on what we call mental intercourse mental intercourse is all about how you have that Deeper communication with your physical experience of reality. So how you communicate with that with other people, how you write your own story. So that's the mental intercourse part. So how you have that amazing mental intercourse with your own story, your own journey. And the opening quote in the book we start off with, which I think I'm all about language these days, uh, Shana, is about, it's from Desmond Tutu, which summarized the book itself. It says, language is very powerful. Language does not just describe reality. Language creates reality described. So I realized the power of words and language. I realized the important that it is in your life. So when you figure out how you communicate reality, it's based on the language you use. So now you think about your past, your trauma, all the stuff you have, it's based on how you label them, how you, how you language them. And if you language them disempowering, if you awfulize a story, then now that's the story you're going to live out. So I realized how powerful language is. That's the reason why I went on this task of like, hey, I'm going to learn language. I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn words because that's why I used to frame my reality. So people that are out there right now, you have a story, but what happened is you have framed it the way that is disempowering. Mm-hmm. So you, you're yes. familiar with a cube, right? 
So if you look at a cube from all different angles, a cube is the same thing. Just like your story is the same thing. But if you set yourself on different angles and look at your story, it's going to be different. But it's going to be the same story. So I use the same, the same analogy. So your story might be awful right now. It might be trauma. But if you shit your angle, it's going to be treasure. But it's all about finding utility for it, finding use for it in other people's life. And that's what I discovered. When I look to my parents' story, it looks very traumatizing. But I realized that their story set in motion my journey. Like my dad couldn't read because the universe made sure that Asher gonna embrace the idea of reading and writing. So mm-hmm. I saw those, I saw the, I connect those that to my my parents' story. My mom challenged with all these kids. Well, I'm a storyteller. I got a lot of people to gather stories from, so I gotta tell a story. So the universe has set in motion my journey, my purpose in life, which is to collect stories and circulate life-changing wisdom. And I learned that through my parents' stories, their traumas. The thing that I see as trauma, they was treasure because those were very beautiful things that the universe set up for me. So I look at that stuff. So now I'm like, okay, how can I tell this with more empowerment? How can I listen to other people's story, connect the dot for them, and tell it with more empowerment? And that's what I find my gift in. So to add to Asher's stories, I want to go to what you previously said, Shana, which I think is amazing and I'll steal it from you, but I'll give you the credit every time I'll talk about it, which was you being born twice. And, and the second time was when your father passed away. And I'm so sorry to hear that, but I can absolutely relate to that. So I could see my story from, and I did it for so long. I'm guilty uh, looking at my story from the victim mindset, which is, oh my God, I'm an orphan. I don't have a father. He won't be around me. I don't have a father figure who will love me and protect me. No one. I'm alone, right? I was there. I did that. Or I can shift my perspective, the story that I'm telling myself, the words that I use to create a different empowering reality for me, which is, He made me stronger and I had to accept the fact that his journey was over and it wasn't about me. It wasn't about his love for me or his wants, wanting him wanting to be around me because he, he wanted that. He didn't want to abandon me. It wasn't about me. It was his journey over there. The lessons that he had to learn in life ended there. But it also empowered me to be strong and, you know, to be able to take my own decisions because he wasn't there to hold my hand uh, throughout life. But my brother was there and he held my hand very well. My mom was there and everybody supported me. Still, I was missing my father, you know. It's nothing like your mother. It's nothing like your father. It's nothing like your brother. Nobody is replaceable. But it empowered me. I was born for the second time. And I'm the person that I'm right now, which had the courage to pack two bags and move to the United States to a city where I knew nobody, no soul here. Mm -hmm. I said, I want to be in Florida. I want to see sun all the day, every day. I want to be close to the ocean. Okay, let me check the map. Tampa seems the place to be. And I did it. And everybody said, you're crazy. You know, I mean, most of the people Mm -hmm. about, wow, this is crazy courageous but crazy you know are you sure you want to do this i'm like i want to do it and Mm. i'm I'm grateful for that experience that's how i turn my trauma into treasure by empowering empowering myself how did you guys meet each other Mm. can't believe i'm finally asking online online because uh uh, 21th century, right? I mean, I was added to his group, uh, life-changing wisdom group. I was in Romania, just getting ready to uh, prepare my file to apply for the visa and to move here with an investor visa. And uh, he posted something on the group, resonated with me. I started commenting and then we started chatting and then we shared things about life and vision and the the passion of wanting to help people we shared our traumas our experiences our stories and the need and the desire to write about it and write books and therefore we said okay let's do it the with internet we, we don't really need to be in the same place my Friendship. thinking partner uh-huh. yeah that's awesome that's beautiful creative partner we bounce you- ideas yeah. We hold each other accountable. We help each other through our ADHD journey because we have different symptoms. I feel like, as he said, he's very good at starting and I can follow up. I can follow through. But because I forced myself to have a lot of discipline that I did not have to begin with. Yeah. So wait a second. Do you guys believe in like soul families? Do you feel like you do you believe in reincarnation? Do you believe that you've had other lives together? I mean, do you feel a soul connection that you're here? for a purpose together to do this? I believe 
that there is a purpose to everything that we do in this life. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about past lives, future lives. I, I have a huge imagination and I like to imagine things, but we don't have a physical proof. Therefore, I cannot really guarantee anything, but I love to imagine things. I do believe that there's a purpose for everything. And I believe that it was meant for us to meet, to stimulate each other's creative minds and put together a tool that can help so many people out there. Hey listeners, sorry for the interruption. I wanted to share with you that Sense of Soul podcast is a part of the Ethereal Network, a group of spiritual podcasts that share the same passion to help raise the vibration of the planet and the consciousness of humanity. And one of these amazing podcasts is the Skeptic Metaphysicians podcast, hosted by real-life husband and wife, Will and Karen. This weekly show is a fun exploration of metaphysics, spiritual awakening, healing modalities, and they too host amazing guests from around the world. And if you like Sense of Soul podcast, then you will love the Skeptic Metaphysicians podcast. You can listen on your favorite podcast listening app. Now back to our amazing guest. So you mentioned reincarnation and so forth and so on. Have you heard of Neville Goddard? Yes. Okay, I love that guy. He's one of my my distant mentor. But yeah. here's a story. And my great-grandmother on my mother's side, mm-hmm. she used to do things that people might not really understand. I didn't understand it as a kid growing up either. She used to ask me to, to find people in the community for her to pray for them. Mm-hmm. I used to, reluctantly, I was like, mm-hmm, didn't put a lot of effort into it. But then we find out those people die. And I'm like, how did you know this person was sick? Because she didn't leave her home that way because she was partially blind. So I was like, how you know this person was sick? Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I got vision of these people. So then I was like, well, my grandmother is very connected. My great-grandmother, actually, she was very connected. She understand, She was having this vision that I didn't understand. But then I met Neville Goddard. And he was talking about some of the experience he was having. Like, oh, my God, it reminded me of my great-grandmother. So in, in our book, we, we, we wrote about what we call the eight major states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that one we're gonna we're gonna write about a lot more, but we gotta dig into that one. That's very deep. But eight major state of consciousness. So when I met my my great grandmother, she told me this. She said, "God promised me that I will be a healer someday, right?" But when I met her, she was matching what I call one of the eight major state of consciousness, which is helpership. She was being one of the most helpful helpful person I know on the planet. She was. She would give away everything. I think I, I kind of inherit that nature in myself as well. But she was saying that God promised her to be a healer, which is the next state of consciousness, what I call it, the state of helpership. So in the book, we have the eight major state of consciousness. You got healership and helpership. I'm not going to give all of them right now because you got to go check the book out to find the rest. But anyway, but it focused on, it helps me realize my purpose in life, which is to master the state of helpership. Mm-hmm. Now, secondary to that, which I call the state of authorship, which, you, which is what I'm going to do my work through, which is to help people understand how they master their state. So in the book, we talk about what I call the ego, right? I'm going to break that down so people can understand. Which was ego is an acronym, stand for equal Gus objective. And Gus is not an acronym, stand for God, universe, source, right? Some people use God, some people use universe, some people use source, how you want to put it. But ego. So if you trace your lineage back, Shana, all the way back, you're going to go back to where we call God, right? God gave birth to the first being, right? And then that first being gave birth to themselves, which is their kids and so forth and so on. So your parents gave birth to themselves when they gave birth to you. So you are your parents. So if you go, you lineage all the way back, you're going to end up being God. So when I see a person, I see them as God, universe, source. That's what they are, an expression of God, universe, source. So now if you're an expression of God, universe, source, then you express your work through your ego. So when you create your ego, that is where you create your work through. So that's my breakdown. So now my name is my first ego. Like anything that come up, the word I am is your first, is your ego. So I am a, I am Asher. That's my first ego. Shana is your first ego. I was a soldier. I am a soldier. Soldier was my, my other ego. I'm an author. Author is my new ego. So I do my work through my ego. So now if you're very connected to the divine, right? Like the book named Demi Divine, then if you connect to the divine, then therefore you can create a healthy ego. Oftentimes you're not creating a healthy ego because you're not that connected. You're not listening to your inner voice. And it's what I realized to my great-grandmother and her story. So I started to make sense of my own purpose now. So I realized my purpose in life is to master the state of helpership. Now if you're a person that goes to school, Right when you go to school, they say when you go to college, they say you got a major and minor in certain things. So your major is what you what you major in, your minor is right. So I major in the state of helpership, minor in the state of authorship. Those are my two things. 
So I'm gonna drop something else on you, which I'm working on right now, which I'm kind of sort out. Which they say the highest academic academic achievement is your PhD, right? Mm-hmm. Which I reframe and I call it the the philosophy in doing. Then I I'm, I want to create a new track, which I call a PhD, a philosophy in being. So now that's a, that's what that's the highest academic achievement on in life in life mastery is the PhD. How to be you? Because oftentimes what society do is that they, they educate you in the PhD side of the house. And you're trapped in the institution structure and you go slave for them. And you're confused about who you are, who you want to be, because you're not focused on the PHP, the philosophy in being. So we're trying to orient people's mindset right now on the planet. So, hey, focus on the PHP because you don't need a university to certify you in being you. Because life is going to certify in that process. So just like life giving my ADHD and my dyslexia and all the traumas in my life, right? They attach those things to me because I'm here to master them. And I've been mastering, I've been studying myself, mastering my, my disabilities, my, my disorders, and so forth and so on. Because I'm going to turn those into treasure because they're a treasure. So now, how you be you is by mastering the thing that the universe attached to you. The thing that you can't run away from. It's like a fragrance, it's like a perfume. You can't get away from it. It follows you around. It makes you mad. It pisses you off. It frustrates you. It makes you ill. Those things you're here to master. And once you realize that, you embody your PHP in life mastery, if that makes any sense to you. It totally does. Love your acronyms. Egos get a bad rap because people don't understand what it really is. Because it's something you create. You create. Yes, you create it. Love your acronyms. It's one of the many identities that you can embrace throughout life. Uh, When people ask me what I do, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I do so many things. I'm a real estate agent, investor. I manage properties. I'm an artist. I paint. Uh, I'm a makeup artist. Uh, I am a stager. I am, uh, you know, so many of the above. Mm -hmm. And a person told me, like, you're a woman of many hats. And I think this is what we should be. We should try. We should tap into so many things to experience different egos. Yeah. And he's right. The first ego that we have is the name that our parents give us. Yeah. I am Lavinia. That's my identity. Well, that's because my family be. named me like that. Yeah. And that's who I am. That's one of my egos. And then another acronym that we love is Gus, which is God, Universe, Source. And we choose to use it like that because so many people talk about, you know, they are more religious some are more spiritual and we don't want to talk about religion because we respect our religions but we are spiritual and we understand the connection with source and i love how neville goddard describes it but i love how wayne dyer takes the idea and softens it for all of us to understand it because in practically all religions when the when human was created uh when adam was created god breathed life into him therefore that breath of life that was in us no matter how you imagine god to be source whoever uh, you think he is or looks like that breath of life or she yeah exactly uh, that breath of life it's in you and that's the divine sparkle that's the divine sparkle that you have it that maybe we can interpret it as the gut feeling that you have when you are in a a situation where there is danger you perceive danger or you know when but but if you if you don't level yourself up in consciousness to sit with yourself with thought with you will never hear your inner whisper that's connected to the divine that's yeah. interesting but you won't find what you just said in the bible necessarily hmm. we'll find yeah. that in the gnostic gospels actually almost <laughs> word for word what you just said which there's is di- yeah, that's what there's I've been different studying. ways of, of writing the language. Just, just like the word, the word sin, it, yeah. just, it means miss, to miss the mark. And we look at it in yeah. all kind of crazy way, right? But it's just missing the mark. Like if you said something out, you're going to do it and you didn't do it. That's, right. that's what it is. You missed the mark. Lots mm-hmm. of words that are so powerful that mm-hmm. changed and molded where we are today as a society collectively. And then to know the true meaning behind the word. There's lots of words like that. A lot of yeah. things out there that we, we're misinformed on. Yes. Because because all we studied was the the European literature. We didn't study the other side of the literature from right. other places around the world. The indigenous cultures. Some, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. The, you know, and there's so much wisdom with that, which is also a big part of my journey. Because in the Gnostic Gospels, mm-hmm. Sophia is wisdom. And by the way, Shana. Uh-huh. My highest value is wisdom. Yes. I think that's the goal for all of us. That's what evolves you. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And actually, if you don't have wisdom, you're in the dark. And so they kept wisdom from people. It's very interesting to me right now in this time. I see it just being very unique. Women, right, are rising. They're finding their voice. People of race, you know, are finding their voice and telling their stories and the power to be reckoned with now. It's like gone are the days. I want to introduce you to a word that we have come up with. Yes, you mentioned you. unique. Okay. So in society, people say, treat me equally. Yeah. And I was like, I can never treat you equally. Because there's, there's a gap between between that idea, I want to treat you equally, and this impossible. So we, f- we come up with this word called, we combine the word unique and equal together, and we call okay. it uni- unequal. We are unique physically, but we are equal spiritually. So that makes us unequal. So oh treat goodness. me unequally. So then I realized, so so that's, so we kind of break the surface, we're going to level this playing field for, which I'm saying, I consider myself above the organization of color, gender, so forth and so on. Right. I don't see myself that way because I know I'm a spiritual being. Right. Right. So I see myself above all those organizations, these boxes that they lock us in. Yeah. I see myself above those organizations. Yeah. So yes. So treat me uniquely because we're uniquely. Well, and guess what? I have a word for you. Okay. I think you both are portable. (laughs) Pretty That's... and beautiful together. Oh, I love it. Someone had called me that one time when my kids were little. I loved it. I love words oh. like this. We're making our own language, right? We should. Language evolves. And I'm actually listening to yes. a beautiful a course on Audible about how the language evolves. And we can be the ones who are, you know, adding to the future form of the language. And I will be one of them for sure, because I always invent words. I take something that makes yeah. sense in Romanian and I give it like an right. English accent. And I'm like, you know what I say, right? I, one time my friend said she's going to the bitch. And I said, wait, what? The bitch? <laughs> you going to the bitch's house or what? She was going to the bitch. And I was like, what? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it took a while. So, you know what? Here's a word for you. When I was younger, actually, I shouldn't even say younger. Up until a few years ago, I thought the word vulnerability meant that it was a weakness. I mean, I grew up, you don't tell people your business. You don't tell them those things. So this was something huge for me when I realized that vulnerability was actually what connects us, right? Telling our stories, being vulnerable to share our weaknesses, our struggles, our challenges is actually strength. And what collectively is what we need. Here is something that is in the works right now. So I'm going to share it. I want to get your thoughts on it too, Shana. Yeah. So the next book name we are thinking about launching in the mental intercourse volume is how to be the biggest failure. Like success and failure have the same destination because on a long enough scale, success becomes failure, failure becomes success. So the the biggest company you think you see in the world right now, in a couple of centuries from now, they won't be there. They're going to die. They're going to fail. They're going to die off. So everything fails and everything succeeds. They are the same destination. So now how do you find something to go fail at? Right? Do, do you have the courage to go there and find something to go fail at? So, yeah. me and Lavina on this journey right now, authorship, we're going to find some books to go fail at because eventually <laughs> they're going to succeed. Right? Because in a, in a long enough timeline, everything succeeds and everything fails. So, I realized this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Just like we flip the script on turning traumas into treasure, it's saying we're going to look at failure and success because it's the same thing. Right? It's the same thing. Treasure and, and trauma is the same thing. Success and failure is the same thing. You might give a different spin in a, in a timeline. Right, but it's the same thing because they have the same destination. You just gotta find the value in it. And then to add to that, most of the times in life when we think, Oh, I failed at something, that was redirection to your true success, successful path, or to your true purpose. That's just a redirection. It's not really how we perceive it. Because you learn from it and then you try a different approach. But we're obviously playing with words because in your head, you, you should be already a winner to whatever you start doing. And I have a, a small example. And I was at the gym. I love to lift weights, but I was away from it for a few years because of an injury. And now I'm doing military press. They're trying to uh, work out my shoulders and lift the barbell with the weights above my head. And in my head, I was like, yeah, I won't be able to do it. I'll be, you know, a failure. And I'll look so stupid. My ego was in the way. And I tried to halfway through, I dropped it. I said, I knew it. I cannot do it. And then I got angry. I said, no, it's not true. You can do this. You know, you can. You're just being, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, weak in your mind and you care what people think around you, like leave the ego at the door and push through because you know you can do it. The same weight. Two minutes later, I took it, I pushed through and it was up above my head. Therefore, look how important and how powerful is your mindset and the way you think and the way you talk to yourself in your head. We kind of, you know, like uh, we play with words when we say uh, we encourage you to go and fail. We want you to go with like, I will succeed. But hopefully from all those successes, you'll encounter failures that will be good lessons that will direct you to your true path. Hmm. If you were chosen to come to this earth or if you chose this life or whatever it is, would you really put yourself in, you know, on the side of a beach, just catching rays, doing nothing, you know, having no, you know, worries in the world? No, you would put yourself in a position where you had to climb mountains, get stronger, get hit by the boulders as they came down and kept going, got on the top of one mountain to look fuck, I got four more mountains right in front of me right here. So I got to, you know, that's the only way we grow. Once they can look back from those mountains and see all the ones that they climbed, feel a sense of accomplishment and purpose, you know, that I'm here for a reason that I got through this shit. Yes. And going back to uh, emphasizing the importance of obstacles, challenges, traumas, I will make an analogy going back to the gym and working out. You cannot grow a muscle if you don't break it first. Mm. While you push through and it's hard and it's painful and you break that muscle, you have micro ruptures in the muscle and then the body will create a protein needed to build it stronger and bigger. Yeah, break some muscles then. (laughs) I was looking through your website and this morning, I think that a lot of people today, even coaches want coaches, we should never stop learning because you know what? Everything's going to change in like 10 minutes. Who knows, you know, what journey we may choose next that we may need a hand to help us get through. So what kind of coaching do you offer? What is that? What are your programs look like? So I'm doing what I call the focus on your pad 12 week program. Okay. So like I said earlier, I'm, I'm wisdom driven. So I need time to listen to somebody's story and from there I can help them connect the dot because oftentimes what people think, which I focus back on the PHB side of the house, philosophy and being you. So if, so sometimes people are going through a thing like if, why am I going through all of these things? And here's how I see life. And I've learned this to looking at my parents' story, my grandparents' story, my own story. I see how their life set in motion, my purpose in life. So I find a purpose in my life, not find a purpose for my life, but a purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people are looking for a purpose for your life. You will never find a purpose for your life because you get to create it. So the purpose is in your life. So look at your own story. And then from there, you realize, oh my God, these are the things you're here to do. So here's, here's a quick story I'll share with you. When I was getting ready to leave the military, I was trying to figure out when I start my life, my online life coaching business, I'll figure out like, how do I transfer my military experience over to the civilian side? It was very challenging for me. I couldn't figure it out because all my expertise, my certification in the military, I did very well in it. But then I'll shift over. I'm like, man, in the civilian space, I feel like I have no credibility. But then... I, I like snowboarding. So I was snowboarding this season. I got injured, right? I got injured and I was on my bed after the surgery. I was thinking about how can I really navigate this? And life said, Asher, go back and ask the people you've worked with in the military. Like, so I put them to a scenario. So I asked them if I wasn't alive anymore and you had to speak to my mom or my dad or my daughter. I had to tell them what was my unique ability or what was something that you like or didn't like about me. And I started hearing these stories. I, I kind of had them on, the pod, on our podcast as well. But I, I saw this common theme that everybody was saying to me. It was like, Asher, you are very good at helping people. Like you're very good at turning the worst situation into a great situation. Because when we deploy, we overseas doing all kinds of stuff and everybody's stressed out and worried and crazy about stuff. Asher was calm and Asher found a way to turn stuff into treasure. Find a way, find a, find a way to make life even more enjoyable. And I keep hearing that, but I do, I do it so very easy and very well. I didn't put a pin to it. Like, oh, that, that's the purpose in my life. I'm here to do this thing. Help people see the brighter side of life. But now I'm hearing this common theme from everybody. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cash in on this thing. So now I realize that when I listen to people's story, I can help them connect the dots to say, hey, man, the thing that you're going through right now, this is what it's leading you towards. Right. You're not hearing it. You're not seeing it because you're so far away from it. And if my friends was telling me this, I wasn't seeing it myself. Yes. Or people, other people tell you what you're good at. Right. They tell you what you're good at. 
So now I noticed that I'm like, you know what? Let me embrace this thing. So now I'm here to I'm here, I'm here to master the state of helpership and I'm working through that through authorship and also coaching. So that's why I'm doing it. So 12 weeks, I sit with people, I listen to their story. I'm like, hey, this is what your story is saying right now. You might not see the dots, but here it is. And sometimes those dots take a couple of years to connect. So you won't, so sometimes like a, a singer or an artist might recognize their skills at an early age. But a person that's on this wisdom journey mm, won't see it because you need you need some years to connect the dots. The universe got to put you through what I call the, the certification process from the only university that matters, which is U- University of Universe. That's the only one that's matters. They're going to certify you in your PhD. Which, which university is that? African the University of the Universe, the only university that matters, which is the life mastery through your life experiences because people don't value their life experiences because the thing they got to go to university gets certified. I'm telling you, you don't. I was going to college. And I was being dulled out by the, the, the topics I was studying. I was one class away from a bachelor's. I'm like, I'm stopping. I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm not going to school anymore. I'm going to self-educate. So I set the journey of reading books, almost 700 books. So I've been educating myself on the things that I find valuable. Yeah. And it tapped me into the things I was doing very well, which is helping people, helping them connect their stories, helping connect the purpose that, that's in their own story because oftentimes they don't see it. But other people see it. No, you want to hear something funny? Last night, me and my two girls—I have two—I have four kids—and we were playing a game called Best Friends. Mm. And that is the one thing I got from it. So you you pick a card, and it'll say something like, "What what would everyone say most about who Shannon is, or something?" Okay, this is what the card would say, and they would have to write the answer of what they think I would write. Mm-hmm. Well, there was one where I was so shocked. They both saw me in a light that I didn't see in myself. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting in that moment. And it, this just happened last night. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys both see that, you know? And then I sat with it and I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess that is probably maybe what everyone would say about me. But, you know, I, 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 for some reason, I almost felt like if I said that it might be conceited or, you know, or I wasn't worth saying that. Right. So that ego was telling me, yeah, no, you're not. That is the truth about the thing we're here to do, because oftentimes I say, love what you do, but do what you love, but love what you do very well, even, even better. Right. Because oftentimes people are going to tell you what you're good at because you're adding value to them. And when you find out like, Oh my God, it's so I had value to them. Then boom, you can tap into it. So people, your purpose is in your story. I want yeah. to say that one of the biggest discovery when it comes to wisdom was me hearing Oprah saying that for so long, like you were just saying, like, and like I was perceiving being full of yourself would be cocky. And uh, even mm-hmm. a lot of the religions would not allow that because you, you have to be humble. And there is beauty in humility. It, there is beauty. But there's also beauty in being full of yourself because that means your cup is running full and is running over and is spilling over for the people around you to learn from you. And so you have to be full of yourself. You have to make that cup full, fill it up and be proud of it but not in an arrogant way, not in a narcissistic way. But if you don't love yourself, if you don't see the true value in yourself, who will? You have to love yourself, embrace yourself, see the beauty in you and share it with the world. Don't hide it. That's right. But Shane, I want to, I want to drop some wisdom on your audience too. And this thing is going to have them think a little differently. This one of like the number one principle in the book we talk about. And speaking of sense of soul, so here we go. You can never change who you are, but you can change and improve what you have. You cannot change who you are, but you can change or improve what you have. So here here we go. People ask, who am I? And answer that question, you would never know who you are. You might be like, hold on, Ash, what do you mean by that? Because I go back to the concept of God, universe, source, right? So if you are expression of God, universe, source, God would never know who God is because if you know something, it's limited. So if you can define who you are, that means you're limited. So when I say you would never know who you are, you would never know because you're experience of God, universe source. You're unlimited. You can never define who you are. You can only change or improve what you have. When we say you can never change who you are, right? So the going back to the idea is that, hey, I said I'm Asher because Asher is my ego. I've created it. You never create you, so you can never define you. 
You can only define the things you created it. You can only define the thing that you're higher than. You're not higher than yourself, so you can never define you. Just like God can define you, but you can't define God, right? Because God is unlimited, so to speak. So when we go back to trying to figure out who you are, people are like, I want to know who I am. You will never know who you are. You will know what you have because what you have is your mindset, your body, right? Your emotions, so forth and so on, because those things you accumulate over time. So those are the things you change and improve. Wow. As Asher said, to define something, you have to be higher than it. To understand it and see all the edges of that box, define it, you have to, to be higher. You're not higher than the God's first universe. You're not higher than yourself. You have to allow, admit, accept, and love the infinite possibilities that you can tap into and you can become. Wow, you guys just mind-fucked me. <laughs> Thank so you for that mental illness. That was real mental, mental intercourse. intercourse. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But it's but it's it's for some people to think about because in the world, people are like you gotta know where you are, Rich. Which all you're gonna do is you you're gonna know what you have because what you have is what you create. Like you create your ego because that's you, that's what that's your creation. So if your ego, if you don't happy with your ego, you created it. So change it because you can change or improve it. But who you are is on a it's on a scale you can't measure. You can't measure it. So if you can't define something, that means you can it can be anything. If you can't define yourself, that means you can be anything. So when people say, you know, give me a definition, no, I'm gonna put you in a box if I gotta define you, right? But because I don't want to be in a box, don't don't, don't define me because you can't because yes. I'm unlimited. And if people, if people start seeing that, they will stop trying to chase, okay, who am I? Focus on what you have and what you create because those are the things you can control. Don't talk about things, the material possession necessarily. We talk about the knowledge you have, the thoughts you have, the feelings you have. Those things, you can control them. Create better, better feelings, better thoughts. Accumulate more knowledge. Wow, you got a light bulb, Another aha moment. So we've started out talking about how that I am, right, presence is mm-hmm. divine in us. And so the who I am or who am I, mm-hmm. it's infinite. So it, it's not finite. Mm-mm. Yeah. You can give it any shape. Multiple shapes throughout the uh, one's life is ideal. That's pretty deep. A lot to think about. You know what? This also reminds me of the podcast episode I did with Jeff Thompson, who said forgiveness was the same. Like we don't have the power to forgive other people that way. To forgive is not on the shoulders of all of us. It is, you know, on our creator. I think that we achieve that moment where we forgive the unforgiven. How? If you switch the narrative behind forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So... You forgive someone not for them. You forgive them for yourself to free yourself from that misery because hatred, uh, frustration is a poison that you drink every day hoping that your oppressor will die. But you are the one that slowly dies. So whenever you reach that moment when you realize, oh, if I forgive that person who never asked for forgiveness, who does not repent for for what they did to me but if i in my heart search for forgiveness i free myself i liberate myself from the oppressor the oppressor can be a person or can be a situation i'm talking from experience because i had to forgive people who never regretted what they did to me never apologized but the moment i found the power to forgive them i freed myself Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and also I had on Neil Donald Walsh and I love how he talks. So I guess he goes to churches often and will tell them God will never forgive you. Never. never. Oh, wow. That's so painful. It's so sad. And he said, because there's nothing that you, he would ever not love you for that you wouldn't even need to be forgiven. Oh, that was a surprising outcome. Thank you for saying that. You got to consider this too, Shana. You are God. So the, yeah, only, the only one that's doing the forgiving is you, that. right? You're God, universe source. You're so people right. are always looking for a God that's external. There's no God external to you. Like the only thing that exists in the universe is God, universe source, God, right? Mm-hmm. So that means you are God. This can't be anything else other than God that exists. So people don't really think that deep. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in the Gnostic Gospels, the kingdom is in you and outside mm. of you. When you come to know yourself, you will become known. 
is something I'm doing for myself, Shana. I'm putting myself in position where I got to tell the truth. I don't want to put myself in position where I can't tell the truth. When I was in the military, I was like, I was like, man, I see certain things. I'm like, man, I wish I could talk about this thing, but I got to keep secrets. I don't want to be in no more position where I can't tell the truth. I got to keep secrets because I've seen so many of my my peoples are being oppressed or doing certain things. And I've seen all this operation, right? I'm like, man, what the fuck, right? But I can't tell nothing. I can't can't speak the truth because I got to keep secrets. So now... In life, my goal is not to be in a position where I, I can't tell the truth. But I say one more thing about perspectives. The truth that you're talking about, Asher, that is your truth. And to show a different perspective, my truth is different. I don't think I am God. Why? This is my perspective. Because mm-hmm. I want a higher power, higher than me, that I can go to tap mm-hmm. into and guide me when I am lost. Therefore, I like the idea of me being part of God, me having that sparkle, that divine spark in me that helped me connect to the higher power. So this different perspective, right? Not because, hey, I don't, don't speak your truth, but that's your truth. That's Shana's truth. And this is my truth. And the beauty of it that now we can come online and talk about each perspective and our truths. And hopefully, our listeners will connect. Some will connect with Asher's idea. Some will connect with my idea. And therefore, we can all connect and share wisdom. Yeah. What you're both talking about is almost how, I don't know who said it, but it was genius. You know, that, you know just a drop of water is like the whole ocean. Like Ocean. Yeah. Ocean. Wayne Dyer says about drops, that. Right? Yeah. For all of these little drops of, you know, God or sparks, right? Of, of one source of God. And I mean, that's what I feel. Okay, so I'm going to explain your water analogy because I think that's the perfect analogy, right? Like the ocean and the raindrops, the same thing. What's in the, what's in the raindrops is in the ocean. So that makes what the raindrops the ocean, mm-hmm. right? So if, so if the ingredients, so here's, here's a thing, one of the, what we call a, a comfortable ritual in, in, in the book that you got to put yourself through, right? Is if you got to identify as the highest or the lowest ingredient, what, what will you identify as? Mm. So if, the, if you've been hearing your whole life that God is in you, but then you identify with your body because that's the lowest ingredient. And what that makes you? That's your body. So I realized I'm going to identify as the highest ingredient, which is God, universe source God. So therefore, I realized that, hey, if I identify as the highest ingredient, then that elevate my, my, my mind and my awareness in, into another level. Because based on where you set, you set your mind level at, that's where you're going to be stuck at. So I reach for, I reach for higher things because I want to ex- expand my mind. So I look at the water and the ocean, the analogy there. Say, hey, if every ingredient in, in the raindrops is in the ocean, guess what? I'm the fucking ocean. Right. I might not be the almighty ocean, but I'm the right. ocean because I have the yes. ingredients of the ocean in me. So when I think about God, universe source of me being saying I am God, there's no other thing that exists but God. Right. Within you, within me, within Lavinia, what one source playing all the roles. Right. Sometimes people thinking, that, oh, it's different. No, it's the same source playing all the roles. Right. You're just in a different expression. You just got a different arrangement of your mind and my mind is arranged differently. But it's the same mind like me and you have access to the great universal mind. Except that my piece of the mind is arranged a little differently from yours, but we got access to the, the greater mind. So that's how I see it. So I see myself as God, universe, source. People can say whatever they want, but I understand where people are thinking from. Mm-hmm. But one day you're going to get to a place you're like, oh my God, really? There can't be anything that exists in the world other than God. What, what else could exist? Nothing else. Right? Mm-hmm. But people don't see that. I mean, the tree is God, a fucking dog is dog. Here's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain real quick. The difference between us and animals is that. Some of us are aware of our thinking more than them. So everything on the planet is, everything on the planet thinks, mm-hmm. right? A dog thinks, a, yeah, a, a cow plant. thinks, plant ju- a plant yeah. thinks. Yes. It's just that we might be aware of our thinking more than them, which make us a little bit higher than them on the scale. Yeah. But everything thinks. Everything access to the same mind. So I saw that process. I'm like, okay, all right. No, I got to think a little differently. All part of the same consciousness. Yes. God consciousness. It's beautiful to identify yourself with the highest ingredient, but you said it, Asher, it's the ingredient and you have many ingredients that therefore the final product is different from the, the, the highest ingredient. We cannot define it, but it's still different. Therefore, I will need that I have that highest ingredient in me, mm. but I, that doesn't make me 100% only that ingredient, mm. which is God. Well, I think God is an alien, so I'll, I'm going <laughs> to bust this up. <laughs> So here's here's the question. My biggest question on the planet for myself is what happens to the significant energetic life force in your body once it no longer animates body? Where does it go? I ask myself that question, right? So you, what I call self, right? Significant energetic life force. 
So where does the energy go? Where does the life force go once you leave the body? Here's the answer that comes up for me. It goes everywhere. It doesn't go to a place somewhere and sit there, whatever. It goes everywhere. So what that tells me is that the energetic life force within me is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's always here. It doesn't go anywhere because it's everywhere. Right. It can't be created nor destroyed. It's energy. Exactly. So I, I think about myself the same way. So if that's so, so now I'm thinking like, okay, so now the memory in my body, where does it store it? It's not in the mm-hmm. flesh. It's not in the body. Because if I die, if my body no longer animates and you plug a machine in my body, you can't you can download my reality and my experience in life because it's not there. So where does it go? Ah, nobody knows really, right? But here's my answer for myself. I created for answer for myself. It goes everywhere. Yes. It goes everywhere because it's it's never left anywhere. So now I realize that where does it store? It doesn't store in the body because it's everywhere already. Oh. My body is just a container for it that's trapped in that moment, but it's always everywhere. So that's what I think about it for myself to make sense of reality for me. Yeah. I love that we have the space and the choice, right? Mm-hmm. To seek and be curious this way. That's what I love yeah. because that's what I think is primal in us, right? To be able to seek this wisdom within ourselves, and it's deep. And who knows? Ten years from now, our beliefs all might have changed. But why? Mm-hmm. Because of our experience. Here is some truth about Lavinia and Shana. If Lavinia didn't exist, nothing about Lavinia would exist. If Shana didn't exist, nothing about Shana wouldn't exist. So therefore, whatever Shana knows, she created it. Because you only exist because you exist. Just like this universe, the world we're looking at, the world wouldn't exist if Asher didn't exist. Like everything I know about the universe wouldn't exist if I didn't exist. Yeah. So so you might think, oh no, why do you mean Asher? Yes, because if I didn't exist, nothing about me would exist. Or the thing I know about the universe would exist. So everything I'm in the universe that I know, I created it. It comes from out of me. Just like it comes from out of you. People don't understand it. So I'm like, I'm trying to break it down a little bit, but I'm saying. You are the only reason why what you know about the universe exists. It wouldn't exist. We're creators. We're creators. Yes. Yeah, we are. And for Lavinia and I, we're creatrix. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And we need to own the creator goddess in ourselves and start creating, you know, things for ourselves and whatever we want in our life is available. This was was a very good conversation, Shana. Very, yeah, very it's real, right? It's real and it's raw and it's authentic. And that's really what Sense of Soul is about. Thank you guys for joining me. Can you tell everybody where they can get your 86 books and your, your programs and your website and social media and find your podcast? Just shout yourself out. Okay, so www.demidivine.com is where we're going to post all the books once you flush them out or system. And www.lifechainingwisdom.com is for the coaching. And you can find me on Instagram. Asher.ra.sta. Love you. Yeah, you can also find the book on Amazon. It's available on paperback, Kindle, hardcover. And you can find me on Instagram. I am pretty responsive there, but because I am a real estate investor and agent, you'll find me under the handle lavinia.lav.real.estate. And I'm sure you'll find my name written under this podcast description, which is L-A-V-I-N-I-A. She's, yeah. she's, in, she's in real estate because that's the only estate that's real. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Everything else I get to make up. Well, well it was a pleasure, Shana. Yeah, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. A lot of wisdom. That's my signature. I, and I really loved you guys' podcast. Pandora's yeah. Awareness Podcast. It's raw. It's real stories. And, and I just think that it's that vulnerability that you're sharing. And also a lot of truth that you're putting out there. Yeah. I love you both. Let's keep in touch. Yes. Yes. yes, We love you. Thank you very much. Make it awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.